BG Mania, a video game music podcast for January 8th, 2020, is made possible by Level Down Games. Check us out over at leveldowngames.com for the latest reviews and brand new episodes of both BG Mania, a video game music podcast every Wednesday, and Max Level, a video game podcast every Monday. On with the show. to BG Mania, a weekly video game music podcast brought to you by Level Down Games. I'm Brian, joined as always by the female space pirate himself. It's Frank. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time stumbling upon our neck of the Lost Woods in BGM land, welcome. BG Mania is a cornucopia of extra special music that we hold dear, both from the days of our childhood through modern consoles and new releases. That's right. We focus on retro to current games with everything included in between. What we'd like to do here at BG Mania is challenge ourselves to never play the same track more than once, except for special occasion episodes, which will always be announced in advance. So you're guaranteed to hear something new, something fresh and something exciting each and every week. As always, we hope you enjoy the episode we have lined up for your listening pleasure today. Do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us and leave that five star rating into review so we continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. Last week's episode had a lot of positive feedback, so I want to start off with uh, just saying thank you to everyone out there that has already listened to our Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 episode, or if you've yet to listen to that, go back and check that one out. Uh, we had a lot of positive feedback, Frank. A lot of people really enjoyed the the tracks that we chose from those three games and just kind of the things that we had to say. So that, that episode went over really well, and I'm glad because obviously Dragon Quest is a, a franchise that I hold near and dear to my heart. But we're doing the same thing again this week because we're diving into the first four Metroid games, the retro side of the Metroid games, even though Zero Mission technically came out after Metroid Prime because it was on the Game Boy Advance and Metroid Prime on the GameCube. Both of those consoles are platforms, I should say, because Game Boy Advance is a handheld, not a console, but they were kind of existing side by side. But we went with like the NES, the SNES and the GBA. I guess Game Boy also counts because we do have Samus 2 or Metroid 2 in here as well. Uh, in my opinion, the best Metroid game of all time. Yeah, the one that just had a remake recently on the uh, Nintendo 3DS. Yes. We didn't choose from the 3DS version. We strictly chose from the Game Boy version of Metroid 2. But we, we decided to just go ahead and, and look at the retro side of Metroid music. Obviously, we will do a current side of Metroid music later in the future, kind of like we did the uh, the retro side of Mario Kart last year. And we're going to have a current side of Mario Kart coming up a little later this year. 
I'm really excited for this episode because Metroid is a series that has always been a dividing factor between Frank and I. Frank really enjoys the side-scrolling Metroidvania platforming Metroids. No, 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 not Metroidvania, Metroid, okay? It create you know it, th- th- that genre happened after okay Metroid. Yes, but they were Metroidvanias. They are. I will not. I will not call Metroid a Metroidvania. I will call it a Metroid. Sure. Two D Metroid adventure. But they're still Metroidvanias. <laughs> they're still Metroidvanias. Okay. They are. That's the the genre that they fall into. They're a Metroid game, so they are therefore a Metroidvania in in our view. But I am much more a fan of the openness of the Metroid Prime games, which I know Frank is not. No, not really. Um, I think I, I'm the same way with Castlevania games. I think you're, I think you're actually with me on the Castlevania. No, the I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the Castlevania, that I do prefer okay. the 2D. I, I do enjoy some aspects of the 3D Castlevania stuff. Uh, the two most recent ones, what were they, Lords of Shadow? Those ones were not that good. But uh, I, I really do enjoy some of the, uh, you know, the experimental sides of the Castlevania games. But yeah, nothing like Metroid. Metroid 3D games have always been my forte when it comes to this franchise. I do play the side scrolling and, you know, the, the retro ones, and I do really do enjoy them. But I just my heart lies with the uh, the Prime series. But we're going in sequential order on the episode today. So we're starting off with the NES Metroid which we have played a couple tracks from. So you're not going to hear certain things from this particular game, but you might hear them a little bit later. But Metroid on the NES came out here in North America, August 15th, 1987 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. And the opening track that you heard was my first pick. And that was Norfare theme composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. That's right. Hip Tanaka, the music, the entire soundtrack yes. for Metroid, the original Metroid. And that's really cool. Uh, I got a little Frank uh, fact for you, a little little tip, a little, little lighter note. So uh, the creator of this game or the co-creator, uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, said that this game was actually influenced by the movie Alien, which is why the boss or one of the bosses is named Ridley because the alien director, Ridley Scott. Oh, nice. Uh, but uh, here, here's, the, here's the fact that I just read that I'm going to look back. It's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to find this and agree with it. On the box, this game claims to be a two-player alternating game. Really? It, it, it is believed to be a misprint, but uh, the first multiplayer game in Metroid was Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, unless you want to be a jerk and say that uh, Super Smash Brothers or Melee. But uh, Metroid Prime yeah, 2... Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that. No. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so Metroid wasn't multiplayer until 2004. That's crazy. I don't... I don't remember, obviously, the back of the box or any of the box except for the very front of it for the original Metroid. So I, I can't neither confirm nor deny if that's true. But that's interesting if it if it was on there. And I it's wonder the, if maybe that was it's planned. On, it's, on the, it's on the Internet. It has to be true. I wonder if maybe that was planned at some point. That'd be interesting if they had aspirations for the original Metroid to be a two player experience on the NES. After the next track, I'll tell you some more things that were possibly going to be in this game. Okay, yeah, let's take a listen to our next track then. I I have two from the original Metroid and you only have one and and you can't go next for uh, a reason that we'll talk about after you play your track. Uh, So let's take a listen from the original Metroid. This is the escape theme. Thank you. 
was the escape theme from the original Metroid, again composed by Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. I love that, dude. That's actually one of my favorite tracks from the original Metroid. It's so iconic. I'm glad you picked it. I literally told you I listened to it that that was one of the ones I did not pick, but I wanted to pick. So, yeah. Besides the two that we have already played from the original Metroid, which is the Brinstar theme and Kraid's Lair, obviously, you know, two other very much iconic pieces of music from this game. I think this one is is right up there in the top three. Absolutely. 100 percent. Not even a question in my mind. I and this is a, uh, a series, a, a section of the game that, uh, you know, often gives people uh, nightmares. <laughs> I was going to say it gives me the Ajana, the, the heartburn. It just it's kills tough. me. It's tough, <laughs> man. Oh, it's tough. You, know, you imagine eight or nine year old me freaking cursing at the TV and then getting hit afterwards. I'm sure that happened. Yeah, I, I didn't play this originally when it first came out. Obviously, it was 1987 and I was one year no, old. No, no, I definitely didn't play when it originally came out. <laughs> but uh, I, I think my first time into Metroid was probably the early 90s. Uh, didn't finish it till maybe the mid to late 90s. So uh, I definitely, uh, man, I, I, I just remember as like a, I probably around the same age, actually, probably eight or nine, probably right around there. Uh, 94, 95, probably when I, feel I, when like I finished Metroid. I had to be Metroid. around that age just to kind of wrap your mind around something as messed up as Metroid. That and it's, it, it is complex. There's a lot of complex systems involved with, you know, being able to go back and, and find things that you missed before and just a lot of the ways that the mechanics work. It definitely at even, you know, four or five would be kind of hard to grasp. I can't imagine five-year-old me beating this. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine five-year-old me beating Mario Brothers. Um, I think I did beat Mario at like four. I did. But I know, but, but, but I know five-year-old me definitely beat Legend of Zelda, for sure. Um, I know that because my kindergarten teacher uh, and my mother were talking about it and they told me where one of the places were. It's one of my earliest memories. Yeah, I, I think you've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. See, that's how you know it's true. <laughs> No, doesn't always mean it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Means you've committed to the lie for 30 something years now. Yeah, actually, did you know that uh, I I, I did, but I had forgotten that the uh, original Metroid was co-developed by Intelligent Systems, the studio that would go on to do uh, Fire Emblem. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I actually had another uh, tie into another game here as well, just before I go to mine. I just was I just was looking at the Wikipedia page because for the uh, release date and saw that the Intelligence Systems team was tagged on this. So, yeah. So, uh, you you know, when you pick up an item in the game, that that noise, I did it perfectly. You're welcome. Um, It's actually very similar to the sound from uh, Ease One. That sound right there? Oh, no, no. That, that was um, my phone going off and Sonic getting a ring. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, so it, was, it was actually very similar to the Ease 1, uh, Ancients, uh, Ease Vanish. So can, can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine maybe Famicom doing the music? Or Falcom, I'm sorry. Falcom. Famicom did do the music because it was the system, dummy. <laughs> yeah, Falcom. Uh, now that you say that, yeah, I can totally recognize that to be from Ease as well. Uh, and Ease still uses that jingle in their most recent games. Now, the reason I said Famicom, so I was reading a second fact, uh, this game actually had room for a battery. So we, we were going to get the save option. But instead, to save money, they just gave us the password system. That's where uh, all, all the classic gamers remember Justin Bailey with all the little lines uh, to, to jump ahead. But the Japanese version, the, uh, the, the, the the select screen with your saves had little Metro had, had a Samus there, and it told you how many hours you played the game for, and it was very much like Legend of Zelda style. So I kind of wish we got that. It would have been cool. It, yeah, because you should have seen uh, all the little writing downs of passwords that I had to do as a kid. 
I wish it, I wish it, I wish I still had those little notebooks just filled with passwords. Would you be able to read them? No, I guarantee not. Because it's it it bad enough that like uppercase and lowercase letters would throw you off. But not only that, but you have to figure what thirty years yeah, of, sure. of 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 wear and tear on notebooks and just you know weather degradation and all that kind of stuff. The pages would probably be falling apart. Probably turn to dust when you turned them, like the old Sanderson sisters notebook. Ooh, okay, um, <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's time for my pick, and you'll notice a little bit of a trend when you hear my picks in this in this episode. Um, I'm going with the ending theme. was the ending theme to Metroid. Um, I saw live heard twice in my entire life. <laughs> or, or four times if you count the time I listened to it and the time I heard it now. I like with the ending themes in generally all of the Metroid games, they sound so much different from the rest of the music that's composed in the games. Like, everything that we've listened to, obviously, on today's episode, everything that we've already heard from the original Metroid, and then you compare that to the ending theme from Metroid. And it's so drastic. Like, this is happy and, like, more upbeat when the rest of the music in Metroid is not so much. Well, you needed this to be happy and upbeat after the nonsense that was the escape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and again, composed by Hip Tanaka. This is your celebration. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, Metroid was a hard game. <laughs> I've beaten Metroid twice in my entire life. Yeah. 
I beat it once on NES, and I believe it came out on Game Boy Advance, not, um, or, or you know, like the, the classic series. Sure, yes, because it did. There was a remake that we're going to get to a little bit later on in the show. I, I'm not counting that as beating Metroid. I'm, I'm counting that as beating something different. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's crazy. Like this game needs to, be, you know, there needed to be a save system that would have made this so much easier for me. I could have it just wasn't in the technology yet. We weren't there no, yet. No, the technology was there. It was Nintendo being cheap. You just weren't there yet. All right. But uh, I have the honor of presenting you my favorite Metroid game in the entire series. Yeah, you have the only two picks from this game because, uh, well, first of all, there aren't that many tracks from this game. I, 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 also, <laughs> I, I do believe I also called Diffs. <laughs> Yes, but I, I looked to see if there were anything else that was, like, good to play from this, and they're... Not really. I grabbed the good ones. <laughs> yes, but while there are other tracks, they're either, like, extremely short or they, a, a five-second loop that's just not worth playing on the show. True that, homie. But uh, this is from Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. This is The Surface of SR388. surface of SR388 from Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. I did not pull any information whatsoever because I assume Brian did it all. Yep, November 1991. There was actually no date for Metroid 2, Return of Samus, uh, composed by Ryoji Yoshitomi. I got this game as a birthday present from my cousin Tony in Ohio, so, so, so good things do come from Ohio sometimes. Yeah, me. I said good things, okay? I said sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Metroid 2 The Return of Samus is the only game in the series not to feature a time countdown sequence. So you could thank Metroid 2 for that. That's probably why I like it so much. <laughs> yeah, so so why is is that? I mean, obviously, that's not why. But why is Metroid 2 Return of Samus your favorite Metroid game of all time? I think it just maybe it came out in 91. So I was nine years old. It was the perfect time for me. It was a game I played on the Game Boy. On the, so I just I loved my Game Boy. I really did. Um, it just holds like a special place in my heart, and it was a fun game. You know, there was a lot of innovative things that came from this one. 
uh, all kinds of like um, not only just you know, the ball was the turning into a ball was from Metroid One. This one you could be a sticky ball and get stuck to the wall, and you can, like, all kinds of weird little things were added to this hunting down individual Metroids. I really, really love this game. It always upset me back in in that time period that Metroid Two released on the Game Boy. You know, I didn't have access to a Game Boy at the time. I did have access to an NES and I would later have access to an SNES uh, like a year after this came out. I think I didn't get my SNES. I, I don't I, I, I want to say I didn't get it right away, but I can't remember exactly when I got it. But I was always upset that this didn't come out on like where the other games did. Like, you know, this wasn't on the NES or this wasn't on the SNES before Super Metroid. And I always thought it should have been. I, I'm right with you. I agree with you on that because uh, my second favorite uh, Game Boy game is Kid Icarus 2. <laughs> it's also yeah, which, Game Boy only. Which is uh, which is also another game that should have came out on either the S, the NES or the SNES. <laughs> 100% agree on that. Um, in fact, you know, Brian, there was actually going to be a colored version of this game, and they actually announced Metroid 2 Return of Samus DX. Okay. And they had like they had pictures of it, but it just never came to fruition. It's one of those things that I believe I saw it in a video game magazine, and I was like, yes, this is happening. Like, you know, I, I, I still I love this game, and to have it in color would have been great. But uh, I wonder if it was going to be like on the Game Boy Color, like the uh, Link's exactly Awakening was. was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I also have the honor of giving you the last track we're going to play from Samus 2. Um, Metroid. So, Samus 2. Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. This is the staff credits. Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. That is the staff credits. I like that soon. It's jaunty. It's a great piece of music. I really like that one a lot. Uh, and I've heard that song about a hundred times. So I played the shit out of this game. Yeah, I can tell you with certainty that, you know, that's might be the first time I've heard that. Have you ever actually beaten uh, Return no. of Samus? No. Nope. 
Nope. And I never played the uh, the one on 3DS either. Oh, well, uh, I speak very highly of this game because I really do love this game. Um, I loved the final battle against the Queen Metroid. It was probably one of the best Metroid battles I've ever had in any Metroid game. Okay. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't have a bad thing to say about this game whatsoever. That was the big thing about this game was um, all the Metroids like evolved into different kinds of Metroids. It's kind of like when you got the Gremlins, the Gremlins wet and they changed all different kinds of Gremlins. Same deal. Good stuff. Uh, this was a hard battle. It's another upbeat tune as well for like another, you know, staff credit roll type of music for Metroid. It's very much like the one that we heard on the NES, where it is more uh, jaunty, more upbeat, uh, just meant to be more fun, I guess. And that's that's the name of the game with Metroid. Metroid games are fun. I want another 2D Metroid. Metroid games are fun. And I do think we are getting another uh, 2D Metroid game. I really do. Uh, they, they probably are in the works for one. Uh, that That's on top of obviously Retro working on Metroid Prime 4. And there's still everyone still talks about it, but apparently Nintendo still has uh, the Metroid Prime Trilogy remake for or not remake, but remaster, whatever you want to call it, collection planned for release sometime on the Switch. They're just purposely holding off on it to release it closer to when Metroid Prime 4 is done. Give me Paper Metroid already. Paper I'm Metroid. Kidding, kidding, please don't. <laughs> Let's not do Paper Metroid. Samus is Crafted World. <laughs> While it could work, and it might be an interesting concept that would go over really well, uh, maybe maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know that it would. Hell, I'll play a 3D version if you give me uh, like, a, like a claymation version. Be interesting, but I do prefer the more realistic side of Metroid. I think it's one of their IPs that they can get a bit more dark with and a bit more adult with. And I think that it works out well that they have something like that that they can do that with. That's the reason we didn't see Metroid for the longest time. You know, we we had it on GameCube, but then we didn't see it on really, unless you count Other M, which most people don't, on the Wii and the Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of went away from that more adult style, and they you know, obviously, you know, we're maybe coming back to it with Metroid Prime 4, so we'll have to wait and see. But we are going to move on to a pretty decently sized block of music from Super Metroid. I think we have the most picks on the episode today from this particular game. We have five, and I want to say that that is the most because we had, what, three from the original Metroid, two from that one, and then I think we have three from one coming up later and three another. Yeah, so yeah, this would be five. Uh, definitely the most we have on the episode today. But I think there's a reason for that. I do think the the music in Super Metroid is probably the best it ever was in the retro side of Metroid on the SNES. The yeah, soundtrack will, is great. I'll, I'll agree with you. I picked twice from it. Yeah, the, the, I picked three times from it. The soundtrack is great. Uh, Super Metroid released here in North America April 18th, 1994. Uh, two composers featured on the soundtrack. I think we have four picks from one, and then your last pick was composed by both of them. Uh, Kenji Yamamoto and Monaco Hamano, the two responsible for the Super Metroid soundtrack, most of them being done by Kenji Yamamoto. Let's start off with my first pick. This is the theme of Samus Aran, Space Warrior.
And that was the theme of Samus Aran Space Warrior from Super Metroid, again released here in North America April 18th, 1994. That particular track was composed by Kenji Yamamoto. I really like that. I love the trumpets kicking in there. It's like the, the heraldry of like a, just a badass bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the uh, and, and Super Metroid probably is the pinnacle of the you know side-scrolling 2D style Metroids. At least for me, I know for you, it's Metroid Two. Metroid Two is my favorite. I will not deny that this is the best game, like in the series. It just Metroid Two has a nostalgic factor that makes it my favorite. Yeah, yeah, and this is the one uh, Super Metroid alongside Castlevania Symphony of the Night that were credited for establishing the Metroidvania subgenre, uh, with Metroid, obviously Super Metroid being in 1994 and then Symphony of the Night being three years later in 1997. I found a good little fun fact. So uh, Samus's appearance in Super Metroid was actually based on the actress Kim Basinger. Okay. How are that's pronounced? Do you know who that is? I do. Okay, because I would have told you who she was at the end. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I, I, Batman. I'm, 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 Batman. Yeah, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with <laughs> okay. her. Okay. But, I, I don't know, man. Super Metroid, just an incredible game, one that I had pretty early on in the life cycle of the Super Nintendo, like shortly after it came out. I didn't get it right away. I want to say I got it for Christmas that year in 1994. And I'm telling you, man, I played the crap out of this game. I loved Super Metroid. This is one, you know, I was eight years old playing it. Uh, I did go back and finish the original Metroid before I finished Super Metroid. So, yeah, I like I when, when we were talking about Metroid earlier, when I said 94, 95, that definitely would have been the right time frame because I would have got this at the end of 1994 and I hadn't played Metroid 2. So this was, you know, after the original Metroid, this was my Metroid 2 and I absolutely loved it and man everything about this game but the soundtrack always stuck out to me and I've always really enjoyed what Kenji Yamamoto was able to do I mean he is he is Mr. Metroid for me like in terms of the Metroid music obviously because he went on to do the Metroid Prime series or trilogy <laughs> like everything about him just is is synonymous with Metroid I love his compositions for the franchise I can actually tell you that the only time I played Super Metroid prior to me getting it much later in life was at my cousin's house in Ohio. Same okay. one who gave me same one who gave me Metroid Two. We would go to Ohio every like almost every year for uh, summer vacation. We there for we there for like a week or so, and I remember sitting there in the house with the AC blasting on me, playing this game. Everyone was outside having fun, playing Red Rover and other games that kids do. You know, being being kids. Not me, Metroid. Metroid all the way. Red Rover. Yeah, that's a that's a fun game. You can definitely just close on people you don't like. <laughs> I played that game once and it was like on the playground of elementary school. Yeah. And that was enough for me. Although um, he does live in uh, the Youngstown Boardman area. So we, we also played the other, my other favorite game of gunshot or firework. You know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thank God I don't live over in that area anymore. I used to, I, I never lived in that exact area, but I wasn't too far from there. And even just driving the 30 minutes down to Youngstown was always a scary, uh, scary adventure. Not like the great adventure that Metroid is. <laughs> I was going to say it's a different kind of adventure. <laughs> it's definitely a different kind of adventure. If you're looking for a new all-purpose gaming-related podcast to listen to, look no further than the Max Level Podcast. Every Monday morning, five friends have a breakfast powwow about the hottest topics in gaming that week while discussing the games they've been spending time with over the past seven days. Featuring Brian, Frank, Sean, Kyle, and Dan from LevelDownGames.com, there's never a down moment when it comes to pertinent information or laugh-out-loud moments. They'll break down upcoming games, hidden gems, and encourage listener participation through guessing games and questions. Find the Max Level Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play or anywhere else you consume your daily podcasts. 
But I, I do have three picks to year two, so I do have another track to get to before we get to one of yours. So from Super Metroid, let's take a listen to Brinstar, the plant overgrowth area. And that was Brinstar, the plant overgrowth area from Super Metroid, again composed by Kenji Yamamoto. I love that track for so many different reasons, Frank. It's one of my favorites from the entirety of the Super Metroid soundtrack. But you even pointed out one of the things I absolutely love about it, how it was actually composed in like the stereo sound to where you had like the the resonance of the back and forth from the right to left in your on your headphones. It was it was the xylophone going from left to right. It's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really, really well done. Kenji Yamamoto did such a phenomenal job with that. And this area, man, I, I, what I love about it is how specific the tracks for the game get with the areas that they take place in. Like, you know exactly where this track takes place. It's in the plant overgrowth area on Brinstar. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have another track coming up here in, in not after your track. That's another part of Brinstar, but it's named differently. So, you know exactly where on Brinstar this track takes place. I like how how they actually did that. But man, what a what a phenomenal, phenomenal game that Super Metroid actually was. It really everything about it. It really is. And actually, at the time of Super Metroid's release, it was the largest file size of a cartridge ever released for a console. I believe it. 20, it's 24 megabits. I believe it. Now, now you have more memory than that in your watch. I have a lot of more. I have a smartwatch, so. Oh, you have a smartwatch. So you have plenty of memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Jessica got me a smartwatch for Christmas. That was my uh, my major gift and uh, super cool, man. That like everything that your watch can do now. It, it's it's incredible. But man, we actually while listening to that, we are, it probably could. <laughs> if I put like an emulator on there, it totally probably could. But we were watching the uh, awesome games done quick stream. We were we just caught the end of the uh, Super Mario Brothers three speed run. 
that was uh that was fun to kind of watch while listening to that track to uh two iconic franchises and iconic games <laughs> oh yeah but uh let's kick to your track from super metroid what do you got coming up for us uh my first selection from super metroid is called criteria or the space pirates appear And that was the Space Pirates Appear, or Criteria, from Super Metroid. Uh, I love that. I love the chance. It's it's a very frank pick. I'm sorry. I'm very selfish when it comes to those kinds of things. No, man, I think that's an excellent pick. And while listening to it, I was even talking to you that if you close your eyes and, like, really think about it, that would fit in A Link to the Past. It would fit in Final Fantasy. It would fit in Final Fantasy. You're absolutely right. But it would totally fit in... A link to the past. Like I, I was kind of thinking, like it, it sort of sounded like a a recomposition or a remix of like the the sanctuary music, which itself was very like a little chanty, but also a little dark at the same time. But man, just how how that how that was done by Kenji Yamamoto. It's an incredible piece of music. I really like that a lot. Nice little dark piece, kind of easy in there. Yeah, yeah. So at the very end of the game. Before you uh, save the creatures that taught you how to do the wall jump, they're called the, uh, the Edicons. Okay. And, and also uh, the creatures that Akaro taught you the super boost jump. You can actually save them during the self-destruct uh, sequence. Uh, and then if you play Metroid Fusion, which is the game that comes right after Super Metroid. Yeah. They actually save Samus from the explosion of the station. So you, know, you can save them and they save you in the next game. So it's pretty cool. That it all it all ties together. So it's all one cohesive universe. Well, that's the way it should that. be. Take, take, take that, Zelda. That's the way it should be. It's the same freaking main character. It's Samus. Yes, yes, yes but it's all the same timeline. There's no alternate diverging paths. But we don't have alternate diverging Samuses or Samus or however you would say the plural of Samuses. <laughs> Samai? Samai. <laughs> the links are all different. And we know that because they look different. Samus always, besides her suit, looks the same. So I guess you could argue, well, is it really the same Samus? But, but it is the same Samus. <laughs> 
All right, man, I got one track left from Super Metroid. Let's go ahead and take a listen to Brinstar, the Red Soil Swampy Area. And that was Brinstar, the Red Soil Wetland Area from Super Metroid, again composed by Kenji Yamamoto. I enjoy that track for so many different reasons, but it starts off so simplistic and then almost halfway through the piano kicks in and you get this yeah. very like it's very like man what's the right word like oriental japanese like it, it's very in it in it it's so cool that it has that style for brinstar in like a, a swampy area but i don't know it's like i could just picture myself walking into like a japanese temple or something like that and just that music's playing <laughs> like like it's it's very shenmu even <laughs> Which is a very Japanese game. As we were as we were listening, I don't know if you heard me type a little bit. I literally typed the words on my screen: Japanese temple piano. Okay, I didn't know that. So uh, I, I like that we're listening to the same kind. You know, we're, we're in the same kind of wave. Like I loved it. As soon as that piano kicked in, I wrote down: mention Japanese temple piano. Yeah, no, that's literally what it sounds like. Like I, like I said, you know, I recently just was on a kick of playing through the Shenmue franchise. I played through one and two before starting three, and then played through three nonstop. And just the amount of times that you hear music very similar to that, especially in the first game, which takes place entirely in Japan, uh, you just man, it's so iconic to that locale. And I don't I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, Kenji Yamamoto just used his like real life influences to compose that track. But 
I can't remember. That area didn't have that like influence in it in the game. No, I no. don't think so. I was gonna say I don't, I don't think that it did. So the fact that they were able to take that and implement it into the game where there is no influence of of Japanese architecture or Japanese cultural uh, culture and, and make it work out so well for this area on Brinstar. Man, hats off. That is phenomenal. That's so well done. It's a mass, it's a masterwork, man. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it truly is. Um, I'm going to keep the tradition going now. Uh, I get the last pick for Super Metroid because I, once again, have chose the staff credits. And that was the staff credits from Super Metroid. How that's, epic was that, man? Th- that's the one that's composed by uh, both Kenji Yamamoto and Monaco Hamano. And it is epic. You're right. Even at the very end, like they they worked in the, the classic Metroid one theme that do do. Yeah, totally, totally. And what I like about this particular version of a staff credits theme for Metroid is that while it is and I guess they should say there are instances of like being happy in there, there's a lot of instances where it's still dark and it's still like kind of creepy like the rest of the music for Super Metroid was. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. It was a collaborative effort too. this way. They were able to actually, you know, like highlight their styles and the things that were important. Totally, there. totally, totally, totally. Yeah, because Monaco Hamano didn't do too many uh, tracks for Super Metroid. Like I said, most of them were done by Kenji Yamamoto. She did, you know, a, a decent amount, maybe six, seven, eight, if I'm just kind of guessing off the top of my head. And then this one here is the only one that they actually collaborated on together. And I like hearing their two individual styles come together. Uh, And and again, like I said, I I like that because a lot of the other staff credits theme. Now we haven't listened to, you know, the the ending music for Metroid Fusion.
Fusion or Metroid Zero Mission yet. I know you have those picks coming up a little later, but what we've heard so far with Metroid 2 and Metroid, you know, those were both happy-go-lucky tracks. This one still maintained that uh, air of mystique that the rest of the Super Metroid soundtrack had with it, and I liked it a lot. Would the French call a certain? I don't know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I'm sad that that closes out our block of, of Super Metroid music, because like I said, I do think that probably is the soundtrack that shines brightest in terms of the retro side of Metroid. But we're going to move on now to Metroid Fusion, the Game Boy Advance. Eight years later, Frank, Super Metroid came out in 1994. The next time we would see a Metroid game was Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advance, November 18th, 2002. Wow, we had that big of a gap. That's, yep. I didn't realize it. Yep, there was that big of a gap. Uh, we have two composers featured on the Metroid Fusion soundtrack, and I was unable to find a breakdown of, of who composed what for this particular game. So we are just going to give blanket credit to both composers each time we play something from this game. It's Monaco Hamano again and Akira Fujiwara. Let's take a listen to my first pick from this game. This is the Ceres Yakuza boss theme. that was the Ceres Yakuza boss theme from Metroid Fusion, again composed by Monaco Hamano and Akira Fujiwara. Metroid Fusion was a game that I got right away. I was yeah. actually, yeah, I was actually working at uh, GameStop at the time, or it was uh, Funkoland still, I think, at the time when I was uh, in 2002, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was still Funkoland. But this was my first uh, Christmas season there. For, you know, uh, and really I started as, as a holiday hire, so I wasn't working a lot, but I was working there when it came out on November 18th, 2002. And man, I freaking really enjoyed this game. I really did. And, you know, just getting back into the Metroid games after an eight year gap was, it's, it's was so nice. This game had a good story to it, too. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. This was the... It was the longest gap 
between Metroid games because, you know, the original Metroid came out in, uh, well, we're just going by initial release time, 1986 over in Japan. Metroid 2 came out in 1991. Super Metroid was 1994. And then we jump all the way to 2002, which had Metroid Fusion and Metroid Prime, both games coming out the same year. And then we had nothing in 2003. And then from 2004 till 2007, we had five Metroid games, uh, Zero Mission, Prime 2, Pinball Hunters and Prime 3. Nothing in 08 and then so, 2000. So, so, so now so now we're on our longest stretch. No, not yet. No? Not yet. Because uh, 2008 had nothing. 2009 was Metroid Prime Trilogy. 2010 was Other M. Nothing from 11 to 15. But then 16 had Federation Force and 17 okay, had Samus right. Returns, the remake of Metroid 2. True, true, true. I wasn't even counting those with those count. If if Metroid Prime 4 doesn't come out until 2025, then we'll be we'll match what the longest stretch was. But Metroid Prime 4 will be out before 2025. Don't, don't, don't put that evil out there. <laughs> It'll be out before 2025. I don't think it's this year, but I do think that uh, next year ne- there's a good chance Metroid Prime 4 comes out next year. There is. So I pulled up a nice little fun fact on this one for you here. Um, so we learned that in the Chozo language, the word Metroid roughly translates to Ultimate Warrior. No crap. Okay. Uh, and, and it's the reason that name was because the, the Chozo created the Metroids to fight the X-Parasite. That was the big thing that was going on in this game, was the X-Parasite. Um, I thought it was I thought it was to defeat the Mega Powers and become the dual champion at WrestleMania 6. And the pilot who has already made the ultimate sacrament. <laughs> no, uh, but it's cool though, this story echoes the story almost uh, of Game of Thrones a little bit. So the first... The Children of the Forest created the White Walkers to fight against their enemies, uh, and they, which you know, they eventually they went rogue same deal here you know the chosen creator the metroid who went rogue so i never yeah. i never would have thought that it mimicked the style of or story of game of thrones but i i can totally see how like there's some similarities between the two now yeah for sure yeah, absolutely I, I, I absolutely love this game uh i still have this game I, I don't have many of my game boy advanced games still up around but i have this one yeah i i have this one too uh again it, it's a game that i played a ton of back and you know my game boy advance i i loved my gba my aunt got it for me for christmas one year absolutely loved my Game Boy Advance. But in terms of the soundtracks that we're playing today, I think that Metroid Fusion might be the weakest of the four. It is. It is. Or the five. We play, we were playing music from five Metroid games today, so I think it's the weakest from the five. Uh, still a great soundtrack. There's still some decent tracks found. It's just not as strong as some of the previous, which is a little unfortunate. It is. Did you, uh, you have another one from Metroid Fusion or is it my turn? I do. No, I, I have oh, one nice. more from, uh, awesome, I have one more awesome. from, from Metroid Fusion before we get to yours. Uh, another boss theme. I do think the boss theme shine brightest here. So let's take a listen to the Neo Ridley boss theme from Metroid Fusion. Oh, 
And that was the Neo Ridley boss theme, again from Metroid Fusion, composed by Monaco Hamano and Akira Fujiwara. How fun was that track? Like, uh, the, uh, man, the, well, I don't even know what instrument that is, that wow thing that keeps moving back and forth throughout the piece of music. I love that, dude. This is probably my favorite piece of music from Metroid Fusion. I want to f- believe that it's one of the uh, composers just running around being wacky, making it sound himself. It almost sounds like when you um, take like a massive handsaw and just shake it. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like the, uh, the 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 vibrations of metal. It almost sounds like that. When you get one of those doorstops and you fling it and it bounces back and forth. Yeah, something like that. Wow. It definitely sounds something like that, but uh, it, it works so well as a boss theme. Like how they chose to compose this music, the instrumentation that they used, everything about this, man, it works so well as a piece of boss music, especially for Neo Ridley. Like, freaking amazing piece of music for this game and for this particular section of it. I'm glad they brought him back to as an android. As an android, yeah. <laughs> cool moment, too, man. Such a cool moment, too. I loved it. I in absolutely fact, loved uh, it. That's one of the skins for him in uh, Smash Bros. It is. It totally so is. It, I, love it. I love that it's there. Yeah, Neo Ridley's totally there. Yep. Brian here with BG Mania. Leveldowngames.com is quickly growing, but with your help and support, we can continue expanding our footprint in the gaming industry at an even faster rate. If you're unfamiliar, we do more than just audio podcasts. All of our content can be found on our main home on the internet, including new weekly episodes of both BG Mania and Max Level, alongside reviews for the newest release games and accessories, weekly editorial articles, and daily news stories. If you aren't yet visiting leveldowngames.com, now is the time. We went through a massive redesign for the beginning of the year. Everything is much easier to find, and it looks like a million dollars. Leveldowngames.com is soon to be a go-to stop for anything and everything you need in today's gaming landscape, including new episodes of both BG Mania and Max Level. Fear not, because podcasts can always be found on your favorite podcast app of choice every Wednesday morning for BG Mania and every Monday morning for Max Level. Thanks for all the continued support. All right. Well, um, unfortunately, I have to close out my Tread Fusion. Well, I don't know why I took all the staff credits. I must be a crazy person. Um, but here it is, the staff credits from Metroid Fusion.
And that was the staff credits from Metroid Fusion. Is it really over? It might start back up again. You don't know. You don't know. That one has uh, a couple uh, false endings, but I like that. And each time that it came back, it was slightly different. Uh, again, composed by Monaco Hamano and Akira Fujiwara. But yeah, I, and we went away from the style of ending music that we saw with Super Metroid already again. You know, it didn't have like the more... Uh, happy? Yeah, it definitely went back to the more happy side of things, the more triumphant side of things, as opposed to the uh, foreboding, I guess, or uh, imposing type of music that was the endings credits or ending music for Super Metroid. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm actually I'm so excited. I just I, I don't even want to. I have to do this. We, we have to move on to the next game because I'm so excited that I actually get to play this track again. Yeah. So what we <laughs> did here, uh, I, I know a lot of times I talk about how, you know, the, the purpose of BG Mania is to never play the same music more than once, except for special occasion episodes. Uh, and remakes don't necessarily fall under that same category. So if a game is remade, like, you know, we could make a case for playing music from Final Fantasy X, X2 remastered from PS4 because we've never played music from that particular version because they remastered the soundtrack for that version. And we actually had a request to do that uh, at some point in the future. So we probably will do that. But I think that, you know, when it, when a game is completely, we you know, we did the same thing with Link's Awakening. When a game is completely remade or remastered and they change the compositions and they either, you know, they reorchestrated or they remastered the soundtrack, there's a case for it to be played again. So Metroid Zero Mission, the next game that we're moving to, is a complete remake of the 1986 Metroid, the one that we started the episode out with. And they redid the entire soundtrack. Uh, and, you know, it's not Hiptonaka. It's Kenji Yamamoto and Monaco Hamano again, the same two that worked on Super Metroid. Uh, Zero Mission came out February 9th, 2004 on the Game Boy Advance. And you do have our first pick. Uh, and my first pick from Zero Mission is going to be Crade Slayer.
And that was Craig's Lair from Metroid Zero Mission. That is my favorite song from Metroid. Bar none, hands down, not even a question in my mind. And that version of it at the top of that. It's a great one, man. It's a great one composed by uh, Kenji Yamamoto and Manako Hamano. I am so glad that we get to play that again. Like, obviously, you know, it's it, it one is one of the most iconic pieces of music from the entire series, not just the original Metroid on NES. But it made me a little sad that we couldn't play that one. And my next pick, because they're, you know, two of the top three. We, you know, we like said that when, when we talked about the escape music earlier on in the episode. Uh, I was sad that we couldn't play those two from the original Metroid, but I was glad that we were able to play the Zero Mission versions because they are really well done as well. What I like about Zero Mission in terms of a remake is that it also, you know, on, on top of adding like new items, um, you know, difficulty levels, and I think they added a couple new mini bosses. They did. But they also completely redid the story to include some stuff about Samus's past. And that really made the remake a must play, in my opinion. A lot of times, you know, remakes when they that's kind of what I'm hoping. And I know it's it's such a touchy subject with fans, but I'm kind of hoping that the Final Fantasy seven remake plays around and, and adds some additional, uh, you know, stuff that I know they're adding stuff we haven't seen, obviously, because they made uh, an entire area out of the, you know, the first section of the game. Like disc one is a, a 140 to 50 hour game now, <laughs> but I, I hope that they're not scared to play around with redoing some elements of the story. And I like that Nintendo wasn't scared to do that here with Zero Mission. And that we got to see some stuff about Samus's past. Yeah, and, I, and this one got a lot of play on my Game Boy uh, Advance player under the uh, the GameCube. Oh, yeah, because that was out at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a great piece of technology to play GBA games on the TV, man. It was so cool. I really wish you could find that disc because that disc is going for a lot of money online now. Is it really? I didn't know oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't I don't I don't know what happened to mine. I may have I may have lost it. I really don't know what I don't know what happened to mine. My if you, GBA, come, if you come across it, you can mail it out to me or my GBA player is still attached to my GameCube though. <laughs> mine too. <laughs> but I don't know what happened to the disc. I have no idea. Anyway, I have one last pick from, uh, or actually one last pick entirely. We each have one more pick on the episode today. We're down to our last two. Uh, from Metroid Zero Mission, let's go ahead and take a listen to Brinstar theme.
that was the Brinstar theme from Metroid Zero Mission, again composed by Kenji Yamamoto and Monaco Hamano. Another just amazing piece of Metroid music. One that, you know, with Craig's Lair and with Escape Theme make up the three most iconic pieces of music from the original Metroid, in my opinion. And I'm really glad that Zero Mission maintained a lot of the same styling and compositional type instrumentation that made the originals so good. Yeah, we didn't play Escape Theme from Zero Mission. It's also there and it's really well done as well. Yeah, I feel like they just, not, not to, to crap on the originals, they took everything and they just they elevated it to a new level, which is obvious. They had, they had more to work with with the Game Boy Advance sound chip now, so. Yeah, it was it's much more advanced than the NES sound chip, but it's, it's so freaking good, man. Like, I'm so happy that these two, Kenji Yamamoto and Monaco Hamano, came back and, and did the soundtrack together again after working on Super Metroid together. And, you know, Kenji Yamamoto, like I said, he is Mr. Metroid. He stayed on through, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that he's still involved with Metroid Prime 4. I really am. I, I don't know. I don't know who's doing the music for Metroid Prime 4, but I do hope it's Kenji Yamamoto. And I just I, I love everything that they've been able to do with the music for this IP. Like, it's so special. It, it, honestly, just hearing it, it takes me back, man. It really, it, 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 this, these songs just, they, they evoke my childhood. I have nothing but happy memories of Metroid. You were not a child when Zero Mission came out. The, the music itself harkens back to Metroid okay. itself, though. Okay, I no, was going to say, you, you no, were, it was just like, you were well, in your freaking 20s. Which was, was my child, like 20s. Uh, <laughs> Some say at 37, you're still a child. I believe you always have, you know the heart of a child with you. Mine's somewhere on the desk over there. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's not in your chest. No. Uh, I, I'm a bitter old man, but I, honestly, these the Metroid games definitely, they evoke my childhood. That, you know, Zelda and Mario, it's like the Holy Trinity. Okay, I can see that, yeah. You know, throw a little Mega Man and Kirby up in there for a little, you know, for five, five times your pleasure, five times your fun. <laughs> like the uh, gum? Five? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I woke up too early today and I'm running on fumes. I'm starting. It was uh, it, it was a, a great piece of music, though, that I'm glad we were able to play from Zero Mission. And you have our last track on the episode today and our last pick from Zero Mission. You're never going to guess what it is. The staff it's the staff music. It's the staff music. <laughs> Never would have guessed it. I, you know, all the staff music, like we said, they're they're strong. So I pick strong tracks because I'm a strong man. The and strong it's uh, a strong woman, like in South Park. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I I like this one too, though, man, and, and it definitely it's really well done. It really is. And I just, I absolutely love it. I love what they were able to do with it again. And it went back to that, again, the the fun style of Metroid. I wonder if Super Metroid is the only one that had more like of a, of a darker style of, of staff credit music. I really don't know. Maybe Super Metroid's like the emo cousin, you know, of the whole group. That's okay if it is. That's, I like that stuff. Because right, well, I'm, sure I'm, I'm not an old man like you. Yes, you are. I'm not. Brian, you're turning 37 in two weeks. No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> I'm still quite a bit younger than you. Not 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 by much, but still got five years on you. Four years. You're 40, right? I wish. I, 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 I want to be 56 so I can start collecting, you know, social, you know um, my AARP benefits. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. D discount ice cream. <laughs> 
I did enjoy, though, finally getting to fully dive into the retro side of Metroid games and listen to a dichotomy of music that just spanned so many different stylings. Man, it was so much fun. Like, I really did enjoy the episode today. And like I said, we are going to have a modern side of the Metroid series. So, you know, starting with Prime and then moving through, well, I guess the entirety of Prime. Um, we might hit other M with that if we can find some good stuff. And I guess that's it, huh? Maybe Metroid we'll include. Maybe we'll include the uh, the remake of Metro Metroid Two in that episode. We're probably not going to do Metroid Pinball. Probably won't do Federation Forces. We probably won't do Hunters in that episode. So we'll, we'll just be focusing on the other ones. So I guess uh, yeah, the Prime trilogy and uh, other M and the remake of Metroid Two. I guess will be the five games we look at when it comes to All modern right. Metroid music. Uh, probably not this year, but. I'm hoping if Metroid Prime 4 comes out next year, we can just do that when that comes out. Yeah, bring it all together, marry it together. But I don't know that I want to wait. If it's not next year, then I don't know that I want to wait too much longer to do that, just because I like to uh, to kind of keep things somewhat close together. But I had a lot of fun, Frank, and I think that is going to bring us to the close of the show this week, unless you have anything else you wanted to mention before we get on out of here. You know what? I played a lot of staff credits today, and we do have an episode upcoming in the future. Uh, It's going to be all staff credits from video games. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by LevelDownGames.com. Don't forget to submit tracks, ideas, and requests for future episodes to bgmania.levedonkgames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash games. Subscribe to us there. And if you haven't already, while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv forward slash games and click that follow button. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook would be the place to do so. Check the description box for the appropriate links. In that description box, you will find a link to our Discord server. Click it. Join it. Interact with us. There's not... I'm going to say it now because we had somebody join over the past week that uh, thought that they were, their voice was going to get drowned out in there because we just had so many people talking at once. We don't. The, the server, while it is active and we do have uh, several people that use it consistently, it is still a growing server. We don't have a ton of people in there. So if you're hesitant on joining because you think that it's a, a massive community and we're not going to notice you. No, no. Trust us. We're going to notice you and we're going to talk to you. So if you want to interact with us on a daily basis, hit up Discord. We're about to become best friends. We're about to become best friends. Hit up Discord and uh, let's have some more fun in there. Next week, Frank, we are going to be exploring finally the music and the soundtrack to Octopath Traveler. We've played a few tracks, I want to say, maybe just one, but I think we've played a couple. I don't know. I'll go back and make sure. It's a strong soundtrack. This will be a hell of an episode. It is a strong soundtrack, and it's something that we probably should have done already. Like, we probably should have put this closer to when the game came out. But we had a, a such a, a tight schedule that I was trying to stick to, and I really I really wasn't moving things around at the time. It was kind of when I was like, you know what? I've already decided this is the episode we're playing that week, and I'm done with it. But now I, I definitely am, am putting more leeway on, you know, when episodes can go up and, and when we do what so I'm, I'm just doing this one now to make up for not doing it when it first came out so next this week episode, we'll be taking this episode has to happen it's gonna be so good I'm, I can't wait yeah dude it's gonna be great I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it uh, we'll have 16 tracks from Octopath Traveler and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the game we'll talk about the music and I'm actually gonna try to commit to finishing it before we do the episode next week so it's a game I've never finished so I'm gonna try to do that and then uh, that way I have full knowledge of everything about the game not just the uh 20 or so hours that I've put into it. So we'll do that next week on the show. 
Taking us out of this episode, once again, we have the staff credits or finale from Metroid Zero Mission, again composed by Kenji Yamamoto and Monaco Amano. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.